0: Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. I know I've shared this before, but I'm going to again. A film, not a video, film I saw in abnormal psych class in college. Taught by a professor we called Weird Harold. The film was called Joshua in a Box. There was no dialogue, it was 12 minutes of a stick figure trying to escape from a box. And so for 10 minutes, we watched this stick figure pushing against the sides of the box and pushing up against the top, trying to get out of the box, until finally he gave up. And he collapsed to the floor of the box and somehow his elbow punctured a little hole in the box and he worried at it and he worked at it and he pulled it open and the box fell. And he was free and he was exultant and he danced and he laughed And then toward the end, a look of panic came across his face and he drew another box and stepped in. And at first I didn't really think much about that film. I thought it was just another abnormal psych thing taught by Weird Harold. But you know, it it, it had the force of a parable for me. It kind of embedded itself as parables are wont to do. And it's almost 50 years ago but I still reference it and still use it as a framework for thinking. If you're like me, and you are, in fact, I'm more like you than you wish I was. (laughs) Think through that one. You've got areas of your life maybe you're not really pleased with. Something in your life that maybe needs to change. And we, we, we make declarations about changing those kinds of things, you know, and maybe it's, maybe it's a bad habit, maybe it's a way of thinking, Maybe it's a pattern of behavior. Maybe it's an addiction, Maybe it's a weight issue. Maybe Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's laziness, Maybe it's worry. Worry. Maybe it's a sense of guilt or shame or fear or inadequacy, and we say that we're going to change, that we're going to put those things behind and live the life we inherently know that we are capable of and called to. And nothing ever changes. You know why? We choose our boxes. We talk about change. We give lip service to doing things differently. We speak headily of what we're going to do and what we're going to become. But most of us stay right in our old box. See, frankly, it's easier to settle for being lesser than we know we could be than to strive to become. Frankly, sometimes we settle for being lesser because the motivation to do the kinds of things we know we need to do isn't strong enough. And so then the good, the acceptable, becomes the enemy of the best. The good is always the enemy of the best. Always. And the comfort zone becomes a rut and a rut is simply a grave with the ends knocked out today's gospel Jesus came across this guy who was crippled for 38 years lying by the pool of Bethesda and Bethesda means house of mercy and Jesus said to him do you want to be healed what a question 38 years he's been crippled, 38 years he's been coming to this pool that is reputed to have healing powers if the water is being stirred. And how that happened, I have no idea. Do you want to be healed? I used to think that was the most pointless question ever. And I like to put myself into the position of characters in these Bible stories and imagine what they're feeling and thinking. And, and I, so I, I put myself into the position of this guy who was crippled for 38 years and Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And I imagine how I would respond. I want to dance. I want to run. I want to skip. I want to go to the bathroom without somebody helping me. I want to blend into the crowd. I don't want to be the one everybody stares at. I want to stretch out my legs. I want to touch my toes. I want to work. I want to be productive. Do I want to be healed? But see, Jesus understands human nature better than we. And he knows that there are times that we hold on to our Flaws, deficiencies, circumstances, boxes, for a whole variety of reasons. 38 years, this guy had lived this way. For 38 years, his affliction had been part of his identity. For 38 years, he had learned to survive, perhaps interacting in, in productive ways with people around him. For 38 years, he had managed to cope. Did he really want to step into the pool and step up into a whole new way of living? So let's ask ourselves that same question. The things in our lives that we know maybe need to change, do we really want to change those? Do we really? Or is that just talk? And maybe we've been dealing with something for 38 years in our lives, and we say it's going to change, but it never does because we really don't want it to. And, and here's kind of a question that's germane to the whole discussion and I need to just ask it. So I'm just gonna throw it out there. So what's wrong with that? What's, what's wrong with not becoming everything we were created to be? Is there something wrong if we settle for being lesser than what we could be? And maybe we find ourselves going, well, maybe I find a comfort zone and I settle for being less, but what harm does that do? That's a good question. But here's a better question. What good does that do? And what does that say about the stewardship of the gifts God has given us, and what is the prompting of the Spirit in our lives? And Jesus' question to the cripple was pointed and provocative. Now we just need to turn it and aim it at ourselves. Do we really want to be healed? Do we really want to step into that powerful life we inherently know belongs to those who are children of God and empowered by the Spirit? And are we willing to do all the things that that requires? And maybe not. Maybe... Maybe we have lived a lesser life for so long we've become codependent to our own mediocrity. And sometimes living a lesser life means nothing other than living in guilt or fear or shame or inadequacy or with worry, crippling things. Frankly, there are some people who have lived lesser lives for so long it's how they identify themselves but if we say yes, if we say yes, it's time for me to change. Yes, it's time for me to put that stuff behind. Yes, it's time for me to step into the promise of God and up into the power of God. There is a power available to us that will do exactly that. But we have to risk everything to experience it. And you know, for some people risking everything it's too much. I have a favorite Bible story. This one really is up there in the top 40. It's the it's from Mark chapter 5, and so we're going to talk about it in Bible class in three Sundays, and you don't want to miss that one. It's about the woman who slipped into a crowd, grabbed the hem of Jesus' garment, and then tried to run away. Know the story? Of course you do. She had a hemorrhage. She had a flow of blood that lasted 12 years. She had undoubtedly seen physician after physician after physician. She had certainly prayed about it, and she had her godly friends praying about it, but to no avail. So for 12 years, this woman lived a diminished kind of life, eh? Physically, perhaps, the flow of blood takes a toll, maybe she was tired, but certainly... She was sick and tired of the stigma and the shame Because her flow of blood meant she was ceremonially unclean and she could not participate in the sacred things of her faith. And it meant being marked as one unclean. And she was tired of that. She was tired of the tisks and the clucks that accompanied her presence. She was tired of feeling worthless. She had tried to lay that burden down and probably on more than one occasion she had resigned herself to life as she knew it. But then the healer from Nazareth passed by and maybe out of desperation, but the text seems to indicate conviction. She said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And she threaded her way through the crowd and grabbed. Now, think about that crowd. There were probably some people in that crowd who wanted some kind of healing themselves. Maybe there were some people in that crowd who thought, if I can just get close enough, some of that power might rub off Maybe there were even some who said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed, but they let him pass by. She was the only one who took the action. That's called faith. She wanted to be healed. She knew where the power was, and she stepped in. All those other people in the crowd, the milling around Jesus, pushing and shoving, mobbing, She was the only one who slithered in at great risk. You know how we know there was risk there? Because of the way she reacted when Jesus wheeled and said, who touched me? And the disciples were incredulous. They're like, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. There's a whole mob here. They're all pushing and shoving. What do you mean who touched you? And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me. Now, did he know who she was and where she was? Of course. But the next step was hers. The invitation had been given. Would she now step in? And the scriptures say that she came forward in fear and trembling and confessed. And the force of the Greek there is that she was actually down on her knees, moving forward on her knees, cowering as one who had been found out. You see, she was unclean, and when she touched Jesus, that meant he was unclean. And she was now going to be confronted in her disrespectful audacity. He was the one with the power, and now she was in front of him, and everything stopped. And maybe she thought that he would upbraid her, maybe take the healing away, maybe make an example of her, but his first word said everything daughter, your faith has made you whole. And the same formula applies to us. We know where the healing is for us. It's in touching Jesus, which means having an actual relationship with him. But we also know what touching Jesus means. It means being exposed, coming clean, (laughs) being honest with him, with Ourselves with the people around us, and you know, frankly, that's something we don't like to do. We don't like to be honest and transparent. We like to posture, we like to pretend everything's just absolutely fine. We like to put up a facade and keep the real us hidden. We like our secrets safe. Sometimes I think church people are the least transparent of any. You know why? Because we've learned. What happens if ever we drop our guard and admit a failure? The tiskers and the cluckers and the shamers have a feeding frenzy. So we don't like our hemorrhaging, whatever that is, being brought into the open, but that's exactly what has to happen. You know, sometimes I think Christians are a lot like those people in the crowd. They jostle around, they're there, they kind of want to get a glimpse but they like to keep a distance. Not too close. Rare are those who step in. But you know what? If ever we do, if we bring our hemorrhaging to Jesus, whatever that hemorrhaging might be, our guilt, our shame, our our faded dreams, our shattered hopes are every bleeding failure every crushing disappointment if we slither through the crowd to the point where it's just him and us and we know that he's got the power and we reach out and touch and know that he will heal and then live as if he already has that's when he says to us daughter, son your faith has made you whole I don't know I don't know what you need in your life today. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what your hemorrhaging is. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's a life that seems so messed up, it's beyond repair. Maybe it's a heart that's been hardened over years. Maybe you've become a cynic. Maybe there's a sense of failure. Maybe there is a relationship that is fractured. Maybe it's a marriage that has atrophied into an existence of convenience. Maybe it's a relationship that shouldn't even be. Would you bring that to Jesus today? If you come to this rail, would you touch his garment? but expect him to say who touched me and then be ready to step into his promise and up into his power and the walls of the box fall and so be it, amen.